The public health system in the United States has been severely underfunded for decades, and it's never been clearer than it is now in the middle of a global pandemic, which the U.S. has yet to get a hold of almost six months after the first case of COVID-19 on U.S. soil. But this podcast isn't really about the U.S. response to COVID-19 or about any particular administration. This podcast is meant to illuminate a pattern of defunding public health, which has been happening fairly rapidly over the past decade. First, I'd like to talk about exactly what public health is and what public health officials do. The overarching goal of any public health initiative is to improve the overall health of a a population. Public health is a science-based practice, which uses statistical data to determine what measures should be taken to protect and better the health of a population. There are public and private public health organizations, but today I'll be focusing on publicly funded public health organizations specifically state and local health departments. The people who work at these state and local health departments are truly on the front lines of public health and are the people doing the actual physical work keeping their communities safe and healthy. There's some variation between states over what responsibilities their health departments are charged with, but typically a state health department performs tasks like screening babies for metabolic diseases, testing public bodies of water for safety, providing vaccinations and keeping vaccination records, uh, contact tracing for communicable diseases, keeping records of chronic disease rates, inspecting restaurants for adherence to health and safety protocols, controlling rodents and other vermin, emergency preparedness. I could keep going, but I think you get the point. State and local health departments keep us safe and keep our lives running smoothly. It's a common sentiment among public health workers that when we do our job, nothing happens, which is true. When public health systems are running efficiently, you literally don't notice. You live your life unobstructed by measles outbreaks and waterborne diseases from public pools. Surely a system so crucial to our generally comfortable lives in the U.S. would be a top priority for public spending, but the reality is quite the opposite. The Associated Press and Kaiser Health News recently conducted a study that found per capita spending for local health departments has fallen by 18%, and per capita spending on a national level has fallen by 16%. What's more is that at least 38,000 state and local health department jobs have vanished since the recession in 2008. This means that those employees remaining in these health departments have taken on additional responsibility, likely with no or little additional pay. In fact, 25% of public health workers today make less than $35,000 per year. Jennifer Gottschalk, who is the environmental health supervisor in Ohio's Toledo Lucas Health Department, found herself taking work calls from her hospital bed during her recent stay in the hospital after contracting COVID-19. She says that there was simply no one else to do her job. I know you're dying to know why public health is not a spending priority. Why is funding regularly cut and the worker bees are meant to just figure it out? I am too. To be honest, there's no clear answer unless you're willing to make assumptions about the motives behind certain political moves. And the sad truth is that public health is a political issue in the United States. Much of the funding for state health departments ultimately comes from a portion of the annual budget that is allocated to the Department of Health and Human Services. Yes, talking about that budget the one that sometimes shuts down our government when our lawmakers can't reach an agreement. 
And every year, lawmakers claim to, quote, trim the fat off the budget by reallocating unused funds. Dr. Pizzino, who is a Kansas health officer, said it best when he said, quote, we don't say to the fire department, oh, I'm sorry, there were no fires last year, so we're actually going to take 30% of your budget away. That would be crazy, right? But we do that with public health day in and day out, end quote. That is all to say that the politically charged fat trimming of the annual budget is one contributing factor to the defunding of public health. So if this is a problem, and it's been a problem for years, why has no one done anything about it? Well, they kind of did, sort of. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it other than to explain it. Part of the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act was the Prevention and Public Health Fund. This fund was intended to pour billions of dollars into public health infrastructure and initiatives over the next few years. So where did it go? Well, it wasn't really ironclad, legislatively speaking, and some of the money did go to public health initiatives all over the country. I actually spent a semester of my senior year of college studying a dental health initiative that received a little over $2 million from this fund in 2016. But this fund has mostly been used for other things. Almost $6 billion intended for this fund actually went to payroll tax cuts. The defunding and overstaffing of our local health the defunding and understaffing, excuse me, of local health departments because of political tensions and one-ups in Washington have cost real people their lives and livelihoods, especially now in the middle of a pandemic that has already taken over 100,000 American lives. We could argue all day whether the Directorate for Global Health Security and Biodefense Team, or as it's colloquially known, the Pandemic Preparedness Team, was disbanded or simply rearranged in 2018. We'll never know what that specific team would have done to prepare the country and local health departments for a pandemic, or if they could have prevented it. What we do know for a fact is that underfunded local health and state departments have been hung out to dry. Quick lump sums of cash flowing to these departments during times of dire emergency is helpful, for sure, like the $13 billion that have come to these departments since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. But what could our world look like if we made sure these departments were properly funded and staffed in the first place? If we acknowledge the invisible work public health officials do all the time outside of pandemics. So I'll close with this. I personally am a big proponent of complaining. I think it's cathartic and it can be productive if done correctly. I'm also a big proponent of progress. And I think that we can affect progress if we complain to the right people. If enough people complain to the right people. If you want to complain about this long-time offense to the public health system, I suggest you complain to your representatives, to your governor, and if they don't listen, that you take your complaints to the ballot box. Thank you for listening.